0: It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. Fired up, man! I get excited anytime time we get to talk to badass, cool builders. You know, it's just like, man, dang. Sure wish I had
1: that job. <laughs> uh, and today we got a great one. I sure wish I had that talent. I wish I had those skills. Yeah, all of the above, man. I really, yeah, like you said, I really love, uh, you know, all our builder friends because uh, you know we're wannabe builders. Uh, we build stuff. Uh, we built some cool stuff for sure. Uh, but there are some guys that are just top of the charts, and man, it is so cool to follow what they're doing, uh, check out their trends, you know, what kind of what kind of skills they're throwing down, um, and try to emulate some of those, right? Uh, and, and our guest today, Tim Strange, is one of the tops, man. Uh, you've probably seen him at any one of the good guys, SEMA events, you name it, he's there probably picking up trophies and taking them home bringing badass rides, uh, and you probably saw him on his show a few years back, um, searching, uh, Search and Restore. Man, it was a great little show, a little give back on uh, you know finding old rides and flipping them around and doing nice things for people. So, yeah, really well-known guy. I'm excited to kind of get some, some chatting going on. Yeah, man. Plus, you know, A, he grew
0: up on a farm like me. He's a Tri-5 <laughs> Chevy fan. I, yeah. I was, you know... Um, I, I was supposed to tell you about this, but my mom said uh, I was almost born in one. My dad was actually on the way to race a uh, Chevelle. Uh, my mom didn't realize she was having twins because uh, <laughs> she missed her ultrasound appointment. Uh, and her water broke at the end of the seventh month. So we went to Surprise. the hospital. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, man, that that same car I own today, uh 57 Chevy still. Uh, so I'm eager to pick his brain just to see. You know, what it was, when it was, how he got inspired and sort of transitioned from farm life to hot rod life. And, you know, there's a certain discipline and, and to me, um, a hard work sort of mentality that's ingrained on anybody that grows up on a farm. Uh, you don't know about deadlines and, and and times as far as, you know, most people have a quote nine to five on a farm it's it's 24 7 365 what do you what do you talk about nine to five you don't quit at five you just started <laughs> so I, i'm anxious to speak with him because i'm sure hard work you know it's funny how hard work and good luck run synonymous but i'm sure a lot of that factors into where he's at now so i'm anxious to kind of pick his mind and see where he takes
1: us on this cool ride because he's had one oh yeah man and, and he's been on quite a ride i mean and we fast forward a number of years and past all the accomplishments. Hopefully we'll get to touch on some of those. Uh, but he's been inducted in the National Rod and Custom Hall of Fame. I mean, that's, that's huge. So when you talk about the hard work and the combination of good luck and everything else that goes into it, um, he, he's, definitely, he's definitely got the accomplishments. Um, probably some war wounds, some battle scars, uh, and some great stories. So we're going to have to dive into some of those
0: hey man it, at some point during the podcast today can you uh can you let me slide in a moment where I get his grade uh, on my uh, wide body 66 first gen charger <laughs> yeah I think we can I, I'd love to see if he give me a you know a, a B you know it's something I really strive for in high school and uh, I didn't even try to in college but yeah I man a B would be great from that guy <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah no doubt uh so I'm pretty fired up man I'm ready to get some some scoops some stories maybe some tips uh you name it from tim strange it's from strange motion rod and custom uh you guys know him you guys love him let's take a quick break we come back we got a lot of tim there you go man kevin bird willie b it is the two guys garage podcast we're back after the break
0: it is the two guys garage podcast he is kevin bird i am willie b and we have tim strange on the podcast today tim thanks for taking the time man as a builder of, you know, your stature, I, I know how busy things in life must be. Signing autographs, taking pictures with the kids. You know, it's, uh, it's got to be a tough world you live in, man. Tough world. <laughs> uh, thanks for joining us, man.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, you probably picked up a lot of good skills, a lot of hard work. Uh, goes on in the farm. And uh, if I remember right, you might have traded a farm animal for your first ride.
2: Um, not quite that. Yeah, I grew up on a farm. Uh, my dad still runs the farm. My niece is also involved in the farm back there. And my sister, uh, I moved to Tennessee. So I'm not around the family farm much anymore. But yeah, growing up on the farm. Um, like I see all these people, these posting pictures right now are recording this, I think during a lot of people's on spring break, and they're all taking trips. And as farm kids, you never took trips. Yeah. It was like, what's what's yeah, that your dad was excited <laughs> about spring break because he got more work out of you. So you could work more hours during that week that you didn't have to go to school. So as long as I can remember, like from eight years old on up, because that's kind of when you're a farm kid, you start in 4-H and have your own pigs and cattle and stuff like that. Um, I got up and fed them. I had to work about 45 minutes, an hour uh, in the morning before I got on the school bus at about seven o'clock in the morning because we lived so far out. I rode the school bus for about an hour every morning. So I guess when I was on the bus, that's when I finally did my homework. Um, and then when I got to be a little older teenager, uh, my parents bought another f- a farm instead of working for another farmer. Um, my dad had about a hundred head of cattle, um, 200 acres total, and it was an operating seasonal Christmas tree farm. So even like when I was like 14, 15 and all the way through high school, and then maybe a year in college, I was still living at home. Um, Even when I had a body shop job, I would stay up and work at the Christmas tree farm when I got home from my other job. And uh, there was times like when I was a freshman in college, I was driving an hour into Iowa to go to auto body school. And then I'd go about half days of college, drive back to Illinois, which is right on the border there, work at my body shop job and get home back to the family farm about 530. And then during the family seasonal Christmas business, which has lasted about three months of the year. I'd usually work until midnight or 2 a.m. in the morning, getting stuff ready for the next day, cutting greenery and stuff like that, go to sleep, get up the next day, have to drive an hour to be at school at 7 o'clock again the next day.
1: Man, this guy knows how to hustle. How how do you even compete with that? You know, like think about all the other builders out there that are, you know, thinking they're going to get a nine-to-five job, And, and you got these guys that, you know, they grew up with the hustle, they grew up with the hard work, right? They know how to put in the midnight hours, you know?
0: Hey man, I, I know that all too well. Growing up on a dairy farm and tobacco farm, and I feel you. Same thing, same routine. It never ended. That's why I got out and and went with the easiest job possible for my regular gig. I, I work in radio, doing a morning show for a rock station. It doesn't get much better than that. Um, <laughs> uh, and I get I get to play cars in the evening, and uh, you know, as my side hustle with Kevin. So, you know, you look at, you know, working on the farm, I know what that involves and how hard that work is. What made your passion for cars hot rodding and, you know, all the excitement that, that brings to the table? What got you addicted? What moment was it? Was it a particular car? Was uh, was there a girl involved or did you lose <laughs> a race? What was it that was the the sauce for you that got you really passionate about you know cars and what you could do with them well
2: i was lucky i should say i grew up on the farm uh my dad was into the harleys and show choppers until me and my sister got too big to all four of the family ride on the harley so then he got a 57 chevy and did that so i grew up around tri-five chevys we always had a 55 six or seven car around the around the farm that we were always messing with um so i had that bred into me right at the beginning uh my great uncle took me to like nsra and custom camps, KKOA events, so he took me to bigger events away uh, from the local. We never really traveled much as a family uh, because we had to be home to feed all the animals. Until I was 11, we went to the first classic Chevy Nationals up in Dearborn, Michigan. So, Willie, you're a Mopar guy. Our tow vehicle, I was 11. This car, we drove a lot when I was 16. I raced BMX all over the country, so I traveled a lot in this 78 Dodge Magnum.
1: Oh, wow. (laughs) That was the.
2: That was the tow vehicle. We went to Dearborn, Michigan. Uh, We had so much crap, floor jacks, tools, and everything. Because it's like, this is the first time I ever stayed in a hotel. We traveled all the way to Dearborn from Illinois. And uh, we had so much crap in that car. We had to load the car backwards. So the motor was on the back of the trailer. (laughs) And it still almost drug. And we drove all the way to Dearborn going 45 mile an hour. And we stayed at a hotel where the convention was. And there was like a 1,000 Tri-5 Chevys you know, I met people from car magazines that work for Super Chevy and everything. And I was like, I got to do whatever I can. I want to build hot rods and be in this for the rest of my life. And I already had my first 55 Chevy. I didn't really trade a farm animal, but I sold my 4-H show pig. You can't make this stuff up. (laughs) Yes, there's such a thing, city people, as a show pig. It's true. Uh, true. I sold it and bought a 55 Chevy, baby blue and white, two-door sedan, 150 from my great great grandpa for 100 bucks out of his corn crib. It ran and drove six cylinder stick. I drove it around the barnyard. And then when I got a little older, we figured out it was a little too rusty to build that as my first car. So we sold it. I bought a 64 Le Mans and then a 64 Chevelle and ended up being my high school car. Um, but cool little story that 55 went on to a local guy build it as a pro street car and it got featured in Super Chevy when somebody else built it as that same car. So nice.
1: Man, here wow. we are here we are shopping around Bitcoin and all this time we could have had 4H pigs, you know, to to do our bartering and trading. Yeah, with. I
2: took a, a BMX kid that his mom was helping my wife. My wife works for the company that uh, she runs all the registration and stuff for the Hot Rod Power Tour and all the Holly events and stuff. So this BMX kid's mom was with my wife for the week. And she was working in registration. So I took this 13 year old BMX kid, Gibson, with me on the power tour. And I, I got up on the stage one day and they interviewed me, my friend Jeff, who runs the stage show there. And I was telling that pig story. You know, this is a city kid riding with me. And later that night, we're driving to the next town and stuff. And he goes, Hey, Tim, I got a question for you. And, you know, he's always giving me crap about something or picking on me or something. And he goes, what exactly is a show pig? You know, as a city kid, he had no idea. So I was telling him, he's like, what's something like that worth? And, you know, I guessed what a pig's worth right now and everything. He goes, you think I could keep one in my room at the apartment and mom wouldn't know? I'm like, no, your mom's definitely going to know if you have a pig in your room. So he thought, he thought he could get a pig like it was a puppy or something. And then it would be quiet enough and his mom wouldn't know. And then it would grow big and then he could sell it. So it didn't work out for him.
1: Yeah. Apparently they grow really big.
2: Yeah. And they, no, yeah. oh, yeah. you can't I don't think you can litter box train them like a cat either. So Oh
0: actually you can. My neighbor's got one that's totally litter trained. They're yeah. actually
2: really smart. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. <laughs> they are. Yeah. They make great pets. Yeah. They're just big. Yeah.
1: Very big. And they and you can keep them clean from what I understand, as long as you keep them inside. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I do know
2: a couple people that have potbelly pigs as pets that come in the house and everything. <laughs> so
0: But you know, <laughs> terrible, you know, uh car riding shotgun pet. You know, it's not cool as like a dog hanging out your window. Cool. A pig. Uh, yeah, yeah, probably not so much. It's Going to tear the interior up. Yeah,
2: it's going to be awful. <laughs> People will definitely remember you if you pulled up to a rod run with a pig hanging I, out of your window. No though. doubt.
0: Maybe put him in a in, yeah. in some sort of like uh, like a child seat, but a little different.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, from all the you know humble beginnings, and, you know, getting your feet wet, uh, you know, getting introduced to the different you know car scene, little bikes with your dad, you know, at what point, uh, you know, did you ever think that you would sort of achieve what you've achieved? you know, at what point did you ever think you'd land on TV doing what you love?
2: Um, it still blows my mind, but obviously talking to you two guys, they'll put anybody on TV, right? Yeah, apparently, (laughs) you know, it's amazing. Yeah. And I don't know. I just, I mean, I always wanted to build hot rods. I found stuff when I moved, you know, into my own house that I I drew my logos and knew what my shop name was going to be when I was in seventh grade. I just always wanted to build hot rods. Even when I worked at body shops, I had hot rods going on at night. Um, I still don't understand how I ended up on TV. Uh, but the short story was I had a car at SEMA. I was standing by at the end of the day, wiping it off. Kevin Tate walks up from Trucks TV on the power block at that time. Power Nation yeah, now, good I friends guess. with
1: Kevin. Great guy. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Great guy. He lives 20 minutes from me. And uh, he's like, Hey, I, we want to stay in touch with you? I might want you to come volunteer on an all star body thrash on a truck project. So I'm like, okay, what's that paid? He goes, well, it doesn't pay anything, but you get to be on TV. So he called me a couple months later and I was like, okay, I've got to buy my hotel. They're going to feed me. I was like, this is going to be fun. So I went down and worked with a couple other guys that I knew and met a couple other friends, you know, or guys I've seen their stuff in magazines. And we just had a blast all week long. So I guess I did okay. And about six months later, they called and says, hey, we're looking at a new show. So they flew me down uh, to Nashville, to Franklin, Nashville suburbs, and did a screen test. Um, they flew in, I don't know, five, seven people and uh, waited a little bit. And uh, I got the offer and uh, we moved to Tennessee. So it was a, a good chance to move down here. i got to say if it, was, if it was Southern California or Detroit or something, I probably wouldn't have took the gig, but we really like Nashville and Knew it didn't snow as much down here. And uh, so I did that and did uh search and restore for two years. So I kind of rolled the dice, and a lot of this, a lot of this industry is uh being at the right place at the right time, uh meeting somebody. Um, and like I've I gave a couple of speeches at SEMA, just don't be afraid to say yes, even if you don't know if you belong there or nothing, just don't be scared to jump in and try stuff. So so TV's turned into you know I've done how-to videos for a bunch of tools companies and like spokespeople, and you know, got flown around. I mean the relationships that I've got, it's got me on cruise ships with charities to raise money for a bunch of things. It's actually taken me around the world because of that. Um, now I do race announcing, I do good Guy's Autocross that's sprung because of TV. I've done a handful of NHRA events. I've um, been on a bunch of speaking panels at SEMA. And, uh, you know, I host the HRA banquet now, the Armo banquet. And uh, I don't know, just, you know, you guys know how it is. It's, there's a lot of good stuff that TV brings to your life. There's also a lot of bad stuff that TV brings to your life that nobody really warns you about. My shop, uh, we kind of had to move it. Um, there's no sign on the building. The building looks like crap. If somebody knocks on the door, doesn't have an appointment, they don't get in my shop. My wife says she makes me do that because I'll talk cars all day long and not, not make any money. Um, so I got to lock myself in my shop and, and work away. And uh, yeah, I've been I've been close on about a dozen other TV gigs that just didn't sound right at the end. And uh, I've pitched a few a couple of years ago. We almost did another one. But uh, yeah, TV's fun. I'd still do another one if the deal was right. But I don't want to do a drama show. I don't like that screaming, fighting, fake stuff. So, you know, Power Block was pretty cool because it was kind of how to based. Mine was a reality show, kind of like an overhaul and spin-off. Um, we had to build cars in four weeks, which was ridiculous. Um, but I got to bring a bunch of my buddies in. Hey, at least you got
1: four weeks back when we were doing overhaul and it was warm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But yeah, but, uh, yeah, they were burning people yeah. out pretty quick. But so. We broke it up into four weeks, you know, metal fab and then bodywork and paint and interior and, and finish it at the end. And yeah, we worked like 18 hour days and you know, it's a hustle. And, uh, you know, but some of the guys on those TV shows that volunteered, there were some weeks we had 12 people sleeping on my living room floor. Cause again, the same type of thing that I got roped into with Kevin Tate's, uh, you know, no, it didn't pay anything and no hotels and anything, but I had to get the show done. So luckily I I got, I got a lot of friends in the industry and a lot of those guys got good exposure. Some of them went on a, a handful of them went to other TV shows. One guy spun off, got his own show. Uh, Justin Nichols on Wrenched was on my show first. Two of the guys that used to be Body Man on uh, Gas Monkey was on my show before that. Jamie Jordan, that does the bead rolling stuff and has his own tool signature. I was the first one that put yeah. him on a TV show because we were buddies beforehand. So, all that stuff, you don't make money in that moment of TV, but it's the exposure that it can open doors. I mean, like I say, I've been around the world, I've been to other countries because of that being in the right place at the right time. And talking to somebody, and you know, instead of just being stuck,
0: and hey, like you said, never missing that opportunity—you know, never missing that opportunity—and um, and saying yes, even if you don't know whether or not you belong there. But you know, it's all about, hey, you know, I'll give that a shot. I'll, yeah. I'm your Huckleberry. Let's roll the dice. So. Um, next, we got to take a break right now. I want to talk a little bit about your styling, uh, what you look for as far as your build, what you're into, what you personally like. Um, and I want you to grade my most recent, it was my first SEMA build. Kevin's had one, I'm sure you've had several. Uh, my very first one this past year. So, during the break, I'm going to send you a picture of it. All right, you're going to give whatever grade, just like you know, high school, if it's a 60 or below, I fail, if it's you know, 60 to 70 i'm a i'm a d you know if it's 70 to 80 i'm an average c student with a microphone maybe uh 80 to 90 a b and 90 and above uh, you can give me an a uh based on your scale so hang on i'm going to flip you a picture of that and uh we'll go from there what if it comes back with
1: a wtf that that's a different scale were you you okay with that one
0: no, then I'm going to Nashville. Then I'll go, I'm going to Nashville.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're back in just a minute on the Two Guys Garage
0: podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I'm Willie B. We're back in just a minute. It is the Two Guys Garage podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. And we have our boy Tim Strange on Car Builder Extraordinaire. During the break, I flipped him a couple pictures of the wide-body Charger. And I had no idea, but Tim actually saw the car out of SEMA. So he gets a first like a you know a first person grade on it he doesn't need to look at a photo bird he could just give his grade right here now obviously it's my first one man i'm no builder it's my first time uh attempting that it took me a long time but i was actually really inspired by uh by the likes of kevin and what he did with his bmw so you know i uh yeah man i uh i I, I would love a, a grade from a, a man of your uh, your building stature on, on that that particular car since you've seen
2: it. I dig it. It was one of the first ones. I think I've seen it the first time on setup day because, you know, the setup, you get it in before everybody else. And I do remember it was dirty when I first seen it. But my car was also dirty yeah. when I rolled it in there. That's like, you know, there's done and then there's SEMA done. And then we clean it before the show <laughs> right. opens. And uh, yeah. I remember it because we was about 40 yards from each other. I really liked it. I remember seeing it all opened up, and uh, it's got independent rear end underneath of it too, right? Yeah, yeah, independent yeah.
0: rear and front suspension, Yep, yeah. It's, uh, it's different, you know, first-gen first, first gen chargers, not a lot of people pay much attention to those cars. Um, so I want to do something weird. I want to take that second-gen styling, that Coke bottle sort of feel yep. uh, and yeah. apply it to, you know— those, those old first gen cars which were you know slapper cars they had a real vertical side on that car so yeah I I tried to do my best over a period a number of years and I feel like the car turned out really really well for me
2: yeah I think I understood what you were going at when I when I seen it so yeah I really liked it and it, it jumped out at me it was one of the first cars I remember so right on, so man. Are you going to autocross that thing? Because it looks like an autocross car.
0: Yeah, I'm a, I'm a driver, man. I, I actually love, love driving. And my goal is to uh, finish the car up. I've been trying to get back into my house. Cause I had a house fire. So I just got back into my house at the end of December. So I really, I've been unpacking and still finishing up things around the home. So I haven't got that car back on the lift to, uh, I really need to blow it apart, finish a couple things, paint the inside of the fenders and put the sway bars on. I didn't have that quite done, but yeah, my plan is to actually rip that car around a course.
2: Yeah. The car I took, it was SEMA done. Uh, The trunk wasn't done and the tailpipes weren't finished, but it was running. Uh, and I've been so busy that I haven't even unloaded the car out of the trailer <laughs> from SEMA. Here it is. Wow. Uh, what March? Uh, hopefully yeah. in a couple of weeks. Uh, I've been trying to finish up some fill-in stuff and get that stuff out. Um, I'm with you there. So, so you're from Colorado, right, Willie? Yeah. So this is my story. The first time I remember meeting you. Are we ready for this? Yeah. <laughs> so after the TV show was over. I did. Good guys came and you know, sponsored a show or two. So they seen how I could talk about cars and just rattle off the head and everything. You know, it's something we love. You put me up and want us to talk about house construction. I probably would suck at it, but we all love hot rods. <laughs> so to me, it's, it's easy to talk about cars. So obviously you guys are the same way. So they send me to a first autocross event to test me out as an autocross announcer. They're like, we're going to send you to the Colorado one. That was before it got bigger because that's one of our smaller autocross turnouts. So if I suck, basically, you won't offend that many people. And you were running a car at the good guys autocross. And, you know, and I'm like totally frazzled. I've got these cards in order and I'm trying to keep everything in order so I know who to talk about next. And then this guy from the local radio station has to butt in line (laughs) so they could do this promo because I think there was like local news and stuff like that. Well, then he would run a lap and then he got to butt in line again because he was somebody special and important. (laughs) And uh, so, yeah, I got to meet you. You were a little, I'm going to say you're a lot shorter in person than I was imagining. Um, That's weird because I'm six foot two. Maybe it was was because you were in the car because I'm six three, so... And uh, so, yeah, you were, you were there. Yeah. Remember that, that you're autocrossing?
0: It, well, so I, I remember them, yeah, p- probably my roadrunner, if I recall right. It was a Moabar, um, yeah. And they were they had some guy riding with me. Yeah, they had some guy riding with me from yeah. the good guys. And, and that was the guy that was cut in line. He was like, no, just pull up here. Um, it was on your lap because they were recording something for, yeah, you're right, yeah. the local news. Uh, and, uh, and then I, I went straight from that event, that good guy show, to another event at the other end of, you know, um, basically town. I went from Denver. You were north up in Fort Collins area. I went all the way to Carra Springs, and that very same day, I raced that Roadrunner in a drifting event um, down in Carra Springs at PPIR. So that was an action-packed day for me. Uh, but yeah, man, I uh, I definitely remember that. And um, yeah, that was that was my very first. Or
2: you know, I, I was. I think you were there. I don't know what day you were there—Friday or Saturday—but. Saturday, that was my very yeah. first weekend announcing autocross. And I think that was either eight, at least eight years ago, if not nine.
1: Yeah, yeah, which is great, man. That's- dude, I remember you telling me about that that event because uh, I think we'd just done a bunch of work on that, yeah. that Roadrunner. And then you were like, yeah, dude, I had this event, and it was awesome, and blah, 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 and...
0: I, I, you know, I didn't, I had no idea, man. I was, I was like Tim, I was doing what I was told. I'm I'm, I'm on the radio trying to time out (laughs) radio breaks. So my window to do the autocross was really fast. They wanted me to talk about it on the radio and then, you know, obviously come back and and give my report. And then uh, I I remember I did it. My brakes weren't, weren't really good and come to find out I had to bolt back out. Uh, holding a caliper up, but I got that fixed when I got down to PPIR, but that was a really fun day.
2: That autocross, it shakes your car out in a hurry to figure out if everything's tight, everything's proper. There's a lot more yeah. forces and stresses on cars on them autocross courses than people think they do. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. you're throwing them around. You're you're, you're getting a little on the yeah. edge of violent yeah. with your car. Yeah, that, yeah absolutely. A good That's funny,
0: man. Well, you did a great job. But I guess, yeah, they still <laughs> hire me you back. you got it. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is funny.
1: Well, you gotta you gotta get this uh, you gotta get this charger out on the track, man. Yeah, it's gonna be great. I, I know you got a lot of hours in it, and it's tough when you get some of these builds. You put so many hours, so much time, so much money in, uh, and then you know, autocross is great. Yeah. But when you throw them on a real track with hard walls, you know, tire barriers, uh, you tend to get a little pucker yeah. factor yeah. Uh, in there. It gets oh, no. uh, gets a little hairy but the autocross is a great one to shake them out
2: at some of the, at the good guys event in Columbus, that's where they do street machine of the year. So on Friday, all these high dollar show cars that maybe have just got almost like SEMA done for Columbus. Um, they got to run two laps on the autocross. They don't really have to run at speed, but that shows the drivability and they'll stop and turn instead of sending them out in traffic and everything. And, uh, you could see, man, I'm standing right there at the beginning of the start line on the microphone, me and Jeff, Thisted do that one together. And, uh, these some of these people have absolutely no color in them. They'll be pale white, <laughs> look like they're gonna puke, and it's like I just got this expensive car, and I've only drove it from here to the from the trailer to here, and now they got to go out and do autocross and stuff. But uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty cool. So first few years they did that, they were falling apart and having to tow them off and puking oil and fluid on the course and ruining the day for everybody else. But the last few years, people finally got figured out what they need to do, and uh, they all performed pretty good.
1: Yeah, man. That's pretty impressive because you know what it's like to hit deadlines, and you know if you're like most of us, you want to pack in as much, uh, you know, talent, skill, and everything else into a build. So uh, if you got an extra day, you're going to fill it with more stuff. Uh, So to be, you know, at the show with a car that even looks like a completed car, let alone nut and bolt checked, dialed in, and ready for track, uh, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, because a lot of times you're in the trailer on the way there, bolting parts oh, on, yeah. polishing things up, you know. Yeah. Uh, and of course, this year you're probably trying to get some express mail from somewhere to get those parts that didn't show up when they should yeah. have. Yeah. So, extra tricky year.
2: I gave a speech at SEMA, and I always, I always say that it was like if you got your car to your local cruise night, your car show, your good guys, your NSRA, your SEMA, congratulations, because there is so many cars that get stalled in a shop or in somebody's home garage that never get finished. So if you've at least got it so you can take it someplace, man, that's a big milestone right there. So
0: Especially in today's environment when, you know, parts, I've waited six weeks for a wiring harness, uh, you know, to adapt a, an LS to a, you know, an older Chevelle just recently. It's, it's been awful. Have you found that finding parts and harvesting some of these things that you need for some of these crazy builds more difficult this year than ever before?
2: Yeah, we're waiting six months on a rear suspension right now. Uh, We're currently on a four month wait for a stock GM LS3 crate motor because they can't get cranks and pistons. Um, Luckily, I mean, I I work in the shop by myself and I probably got eight customer cars in there. I got a little few too many. Um, So I can jump around. It's like, okay, we decided to get the parts for this car. We can do up to a certain level and then stop because we're waiting on something on it. So then we move over to this other car. So I can jump around and, you know, in a perfect world, I'd love to have one or two cars. But in today's shipping world and getting parts, it's nice to have stuff that I can jump over and do metal fab while we're waiting for some rear suspension or something like that. So it, it is very difficult.
1: Yeah, the fine balance of how frazzled do you get, but it gives you the opportunity to keep moving on something. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Hey,
0: Tim, what would be one car that you would say really – um, if you had to put your name on one car to put out there as some of your finest work and, and something that just came together better than you'd ever expected to, maybe even a surprise for you, uh, what would that car be and what era did it come from? Tell me a little bit about that.
2: I kind of got two of those. Um, in 2001, I did a 63 Buick Riviera. And a lot of mild body mods. And that was like the beginning of Pro Tour. So I had like the second set of six piston Willwoods that ever they made for a street car. Bobby Alloway got the first set. I put an L.S. in it. Uh, It was like a Mercedes champagne color on the bottom and blue on the top. Um, But I didn't even pull the body off of it. It was flat black, had air ride on it. But, you know, my wife did the interior in it. And that thing in one year hit six magazine features and five covers around the world. And it was just kind of a simple car to me, but it was just the right time, the right year for brakes and 18s and 20s and an LS fuel-injected motor that it just really, really hit. People still kind of remember that one. But the another one that kind of is kind of the car, it's still probably the finest car that I've got to build. It was a 52 Buick Full Radical Custom. Uh, we started it for another customer. It got stalled out Uh Worked a year and a half to try to sell it and buy another, find another customer. And these people we met at some indoor shows, uh, Paul Hansen and his son, Eric Paul, since passed away. We did this car and did it full show car with mirrors underneath of it. Top to bottom show car, toured it from coast to coast. Uh, It was in magazines all over the world and it was in, you know, some of our sponsors ads for years after the fact. And that was the car that I was standing beside when I met Kevin Tates and that turned into the TV show and sending kids families or families, their kids to Disney and started college fund on that show. So that one car, that copper 52 Buick is probably the one the wow. it's the finest car that I've ever built top to bottom that had the budget to do it and got free reign on a bunch of designing and worked with Brian Stupski on a bunch of designing. But then that thing, the story is of what it turned into in the TV show and, just everything because of that one. I actually actually wrote a story on Facebook and some guy's seen it and printed it in, it's a car storybook that it had its own chapter and I blew the story up more about that one call, that one customer in the perfect storm world and the hot rod world and what it all opened up in my life was that one car.
1: Nice. I mean, Eminem had it right. It's that one shot you right. know? and you got to take yeah. it. And it is amazing because Willie and I have very similar stories, right? You got that one moment uh, and you got to step up to the plate yep. um, and you might not feel like you're ready, but if you, you know, if you make that leap, uh, you ideally, you reach down you find what it takes to, you know, to make it work and who knows what's going to happen. Yep. Uh, that, that's a beautiful car yeah, that man. I'm looking at it right now
2: and it's fantastic. Yeah. That thing was crazy with that, that custom gauge pod. I even shaped the rear end housing to match that gauge pod. I mean, it was, it, it was just ridiculous. So when I was finishing the deadline on that, that was probably one of the worst deadlines I ever had trying to get it done for Pomoda. I'd had two buddies that were helping me part-time and my one buddy, you know, that, that car was finished oh, 15 years ago, or maybe even longer than that now. And, uh, I was on my feet so many hours of the day. I was still living in Illinois. Then I had like bed sores. I had foot rot and my buddy Dave still calls that blackfoot, Like my feet, The only thing in the last two weeks I could wear was house slippers because my feet hurt so bad. That's how many hours I was on. I was sleeping like two hours a night. And then if I was in the car and my buddy Dave was in the car, he had to get out because he'd get the dry heaves because you could actually smell the rottenness on my feet from like like bed sores I had on my feet. So, yeah, that was rough.
1: Yeah, man. When you got these deadlines, people don't realize, you know, you're showing up to a car event and you're just fresh as could be. This is your little vacation weekend or whatever. And, <laughs> you know, you're looking at all these great cars like, oh, well, this is fantastic. Well, needless to say, half of the builders there probably haven't slept in a month. Uh, some have foot rot or whatever, you know, like it's yeah. it's <laughs> insane. The the hours and the pain sometimes, uh, you know, that, that some of these builders are putting in. But it came out fantastic. Yeah, you guys got to look it up. Uh, 52 yeah, it gorgeous, Custom. Yeah, it pops up. Uh, who, who did the uh, the center console, the gauge cluster there, um, as far as all the inner workings? Um,
2: I, I built the stuff. Me and Brian Stupski, there was a whole build book, so we kind of took styles off of like 50s appliances and transistor radios and mixed it all in. Um, so ah, we come up nice. with the shape, and I made it all out of sheet metal, and then I took that pod. Uh, I had all the, the aluminum trim cut and the plastic cut, and then we sent the gauge pod up, to classic instruments. And they did all the sweeps, the electronics in there. And then all that was designed, all the gauge faces and fonts was done by Brian Stupski at problem child customs. But yeah, I, I did the, the, the look of it in the shape of everything. And then they did the electronics in it and the sweeps.
1: What's your favorite part about building? Uh, Most people have something they gravitate to, whether it's the metalwork, whether it's bodywork and shaping, whether it's paint, whether, you know, you name it, or just the design. Some people just really like the design stage of it. Uh, What are some of your favorites?
2: I actually like everything almost equal. I love planning. I love sketching. My sketches look like chicken scratch. And then an artist guy, usually work with two or three guys. They put it together if we're doing it for a customer car. And then I'm really excited about metalwork. By the time the metal work's about done, I'm like, I'm sick of this crap. So then I'm getting ready to the body work. So then, you know, you get a little fresh and then it's like, by the time you're done doing body work, oh man, I'm tired of this. Now I'm ready to paint and wet sand and buff. And by the end of that, you're tired of that. And then the assembly. And so I, I've been running my shop for 28 and a half years. Uh, mostly always been here by myself with a few part-time guys. Um, I'm quote a one-man shop, but you can't do this. You're not a one-man shop because... I get an engine, I get a transmission, I get the rear end gear, but I do all the metal fab chassis, all that exhaust. Uh, My wife used to work here for 15 years and did all the interior. Now we farm that out because she works in the industry doing other things, running events and stuff. Um, So I, I like, I like doing it all. If I was just a metal guy, I'd probably get tired. I'd get burnt out on just doing metal every day. And same thing if I was just a paint guy, that's why when I was at the collision shops, you know, you're doing body and paint every day. But my ultimate goal was make enough money here, build a hot rod, get it in the magazines, and that's what I did. And the phone started ringing within three months of me hitting my first magazine in '93 or '94. I went full time and been doing it ever since. So I I, I really like doing the whole everything on the build.
0: This is awesome, man. That's nice. awesome. Uh, that '52 Buick is called Resilient. Yep, man r-e-s-i-l-i-e-n-c-e you guys got to go google that find it it's gorgeous man that thing is absolutely stunning uh so yeah man what a great build and god it's uh we got to have you back because we're out of time but where do people find you socially find out more about your shop um some of the builds you're you're kind of doing and and where to watch you at
2: um we got a website strangemotion.com uh, we got a Strange Motion Facebook page. I've got a public Tim Strange page on there. And of course, my normal page on there. Uh, I seem to post a lot on my private page, or not private, my personal page on Instagram um, is Rod Builder or Tim Strange because the business page with the way the Instagram works, they don't let everybody see your post as much as if you're a, a, just a person on there. But we do have a Strange Motion Rod N custom page that we post some stuff on. Uh, but most of my Instagram, I post on rod builder.
0: There you go. I just, uh, I just joined your followers, man. Tim strange national rod custom hall of fame inductee. Nice job. So man, check it out. Rod builder. Um, strange motion, dude. It's just, it's awesome to have you on, pick your brain, see where your mind's at. Um, before we sort of say goodbye, where do you think hot rodding is going to be, uh, in this crazy era of the electric transition?
2: I'm, I'm not against electric cars. I was actually on a speaking panel as the old hot rod rep at SEMA a few years ago on uh, that on the electrical stuff. And I'm okay with electric. I'm not okay that they put an electric motor in Project X and I can talk an hour why I'm not okay with Project X being electric. Um, I think they should have been ne- built another one and kept the other one. Um, but I'm not against. I almost built an electric car for a customer. Um, that same customer we're doing some other stuff for. Um, if the world is going to change to all electric cars and no gas cars, I said that at that, that speaking thing that I was on, I hope I'm dead by then because I still love horsepower. I love the sound. Um, we have, uh, Tesla's run almost on late model Sunday for the good guys autocross. They've ran almost every event we go to somebody shows up at a Tesla and just absolutely flat flies in one of those cars. But since it's quiet, I, I queue up on uh, YouTube some <laughs> Formula One race car sounds and put it up to the microphone um, because it's just weird that it's quiet. Uh, my wife runs yeah. the events for Holly, and they ran their first all-electric car event, and she goes, "It was weird, but then it was different because they had DJs playing music and everything." To me, the hot rod is still that you know that the sound, the smell, and everything. Um, so I hope that stays. I'm I'm open to all of it. I would love to build an electric car i don't want to just build all electric cars and i hope i don't have to do that in my time
1: there you go amen i think that was well stated yes sir you got two buddies lined up on that one. <laughs> All right, don't forget about our show air weekends on the motor Trend network. Check your local listings. Also
0: available on Motor Trend Plus, which is new streaming and an easy way to get us. Thanks to our guest, Tim Strange. He is Kevin a producer, Scoop, executive producer Bob Becker. I am Willie B, and it is the Two Guys
1: Garage Podcast. Yeah, and don't forget to check out our website, twoguysgarage.com. Lots of great content on there. Links to the podcast. Share your thoughts with us on social, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Two Guys Garage. And two guys garage podcast it's copyrighted 2022 brenton productions incorporated all rights reserved awesome man
0: tim thanks dude and uh hopefully we'll see you uh we'll catch up soon whether it's uh (laughs) you hosting a good guy show which they're still a little bit bigger here in uh in denver uh or you know i'll catch you on one of these other events man it'd be cool to catch up pick your brain let you see the car uh yet one more time
2: yeah, I don't, I don't get to do the, the Colorado one anymore. They got a guy that kind of lives out that way. But just remember, if you're ever autocrossing and I'm on the microphone, if I'm making fun of you, you can't hear me when you're in the car anyway. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Perfect time to do it, man. Uh, yeah, glad man. Glad to have you on, Tim. <laughs> yeah, thanks right, for buddy. having me, guys. See you, brother. Yeah, take care, later. man. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed it, man. We had fun. Uh, what a great guest, and hopefully we'll catch him again soon. Y'all take care.
0: I'll see you on the next Two Guys Garage podcast.
1: Two Guys Garage podcast is produced by Britain Productions. For more episodes, visit iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher,
2: Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.